Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. Verse 11. Before I read my scripture, I want to, my sermon is, Who Am I? The other day when I was on my way home, as a matter of fact, I had quite the week. I got to tell you all the story. Bruce will be here in a few days, and I have a praise report to give the church. I'm going to let him give his side of it. But um, he called me. I was headed to Tulsa to the camp meeting, and he said, I need you Friday morning as a character witness for me. That means I drove from Tulsa all the way to Austin, Texas, which they told me was six hours. That's not true. <laughs> it was eight, and I was doing 80, and it was legal. Yeah, there's highway there in South Oklahoma, 80 miles an hour, and I loved it. Um, but he was fighting for custody of him and Elvira's daughter. And the father, which never married Elvira, was contesting it. And they wanted me as a character reference for Bruce, a character witness. And they gave me 15 minutes, but it went well. It went very, very well. As a matter of fact, I, some of the stuff I said, the judge said very, very good. And uh, the, the lawyer said she never breaks a face. But she started smiling, and but she was happy. And uh, I knew, well, they won the case. I didn't know it till Monday afternoon when they finished. But, um, but I found out, Rosa, most people down, in, uh, down there don't speak English. But there's a lot of food trucks down there, and they don't speak a lick of English. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but Mexican food down them little trucks is real good. Yeah, real good. So anyway, I drove back, went, finished watching Kent, uh, Mark Hankins Thursday night, Thursday morning, Friday night, and then Justin and I flew home. So ha after that, you know, him and I were walking around going, whoa, help us, Jesus. Then we went to a picnic, and it felt good to just sit around and do nothing for a day. Amen. But anyway, on the way there, and I like to watch, I, I'm kind of a buff. I love history, and I love real stories of real people. They don't have to be born again. I hope that you understand that. I, I, I don't just watch stuff that people are saved. I, I like to watch how the world thinks and why they do what they do. And so I watched a documentary on the airplane on Bruce Lee. And he made a statement that I want to make right now, and I think it's very apropos. He said, my number one question in life is who am I and why am I here? Think about that for a second. And they said in the movie, that is the number one quest of everyone. Who am I? Now, you know I never asked that question. Maybe I was too dumb to ask it. But... Um, but I know a lot of people struggle with identity. Who am I? And they get their identity in a lot of places, and we'll talk about that. But, um, but I think it's a good question, and I want to answer that because I want to help you discover something tonight that will get you back on the right path or to get you or keep you on the right path. In Galatians 6, 11, see then with what large letter I have written to you with my own hand. The reason for that is all the other books that were written, Paul dictated them to someone else, and they wrote the letter, but Paul wrote Galatians with his own hand. So we, I want you to know that. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to become circumcised. Why? It's a sign that you're in covenant with God, but it's only a sign um, it's like a wedding band. Um, it's like water baptism. There's a lot of people that will tell you water baptism saves you. It does not. Uh, it's a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in obedience, God will bless you for doing it. But, and, and we practice that here because uh, the only two signs in the church of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus are communion and water baptism. And we both of them identify with who Jesus is and who you are. It says, it says, 
uh, verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Just because you're circumcised doesn't mean you keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised so they'll boast in your flesh. Talking about unsaved people. God forbid that I would boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world was crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Now he's saying, I don't glory in anything except Jesus. Now let's let's um, go to go to Second Corinthians um, chapter five, and let's look at the word. Let's look at the scripture here before we move on. Five sixteen. Second Corinthians five sixteen, not seventeen. Therefore, from now on. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we saw Jesus in the flesh, but we don't know him that way now. You've never met Jesus in the flesh. There's a reason for that. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I, and I just want you to think with me for a minute. When's the last time someone asked you who you are and you told them what you do? Someone says, well, who are you? And they go, I'm a dentist. Dentist is not who you are, it's what you do. I'm a lawyer. I wrote a few things down. A lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a mom, a dad, a businessman, a pastor, the governor, the right-wing conservative, a student, a Gator fan. I had to throw that in there. I want you to think about this for a minute. What you do and who you are is not the same thing. Why, why is that? Because what you do is something you did. It isn't what God did, it's what you did. And yet, everybody that's walking the planet, and most Christians, identify with achievement. I'm a graduate. That's what you did. I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a five-star general. I'm, I'm, I'm an Olympian winner, gold medal winner. That's not something you are. That's something you did. And, and, and so we get our identity from what we do, and herein lies a problem. Because what if what you do, you don't do it well one day? Then you become a failure. In your eyes, not in the world's eyes, because everybody fails at something. And you rate yourself on how you do. And you think, we rate you on how you do. And we don't. God does not rate you on how you do. He rates you on how he did. Okay. This is good news. This is not one of those hellfire damnation sermons tonight. This is a good one. If any man is in Christ, he's new. What part did you have in that? Not a thing. All right, I want you to look at Ephesians. I didn't ask you to put that on, the just, but just go to Ephesians for a moment. And um, let me see where, because now I'm throwing Joshua off track up there because he didn't put this in. And we're just testing him to see how he can do. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace, um, uh, I was listening to Shuttlesworth this week, and he says it's not unmerited favor, it's divine favor, and I like that. For divine favor, you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, we're going to read in a few minutes from the Bible and read a definition of who you are. See, you carry 
a driver's license because you need positive ID in authority world over who are you, who you say you are. I got to tell on Justin now. This is funny. It's funny what happened. Justin left his phone in Atlanta because he was flirting with an old woman. I don't know what he was doing with her. She was, he was talking to her there. And he left his phone there when we got on the plane. No condemnation to Justin. But he had his driver's license in his phone case. Well, on the way back through, he picked his phone up and got his phone. But one thing he nor I thought about was that when he boarded the plane in Tulsa, he had no ID. So he gives them the boarding pass. They, they ask him for his driver's license. He didn't have one. So they pull him off. And I'm thinking, what did they do with Justin? Where did they take him? They just hauled him away. And they went back and they said, do you have any identification? And he opened his um, suitcase and pulled out his Bible that's got his name printed on the outside of it. And they let him go. So the word of God got him home. I got to tell my side of the story, which is another funny. They pulled me off and checked my bag. And they, they said, there's something in here we think is deadly. And it was my Bible. And so I was cracking with the security. And I said, that is deadly. If you'll hand it to me. I'll read you some scriptures out of that deadly book. And he said, no, thank you, and handed me my Bible and my suitcase and let me go. And I was just messing with him, and we both got pulled off. He got out with a Bible, and I almost lost my plane ticket because of the Bible. But anyway, the Bible reigned that week. So, so Justin had to prove who he is. You, you need to know who you are. And, and you need to know the difference in who you are and what you do, and you need to have an identity. Okay. Now, why do people, why do people work so hard? So let me finish reading this, verse 10. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared for. Verse 9, let me back up. Not of works, lest you what? Boast. Now, see, any time that you're talking about what you do, you're really boasting. I am, I made me. No, you didn't either. No, you didn't. And, and um, the man or the woman that you are, in other words, when I say man, do you women understand that I'm using the word man as mankind, not as male? Okay, I don't want you all to go, I'm not a man. Yeah, well, we can see. We can see that. But anyway, the world gets their identity by what they do, and that is the reason why they have um, honors and golden gloves and, and all these awards and everything. But I can tell you, you will know who you are when you die. You will take everything you are with you. You came naked and you're leaving naked and you're taking who you are with you and they better know who you are when you get to the other side and your name better be written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay, John 6, 63. Let's go over to John 6. What we're talking about tonight is huge. It's, um, it's not a small subject. The devil knows who you are sometimes better than you know who you are, or he wouldn't be bothering you. 663, John 663. It says, It is the spirit that gives you life. Your flesh profits nothing. Now, again, let's turn let's use some terms that we use today. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm white, I'm Mexican, I'm Texan, 
That's a big deal in Texas. I'm Haitian. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm African. I'm German-American. Really? You just told me where you were born. You didn't tell me who you are. You are not your body. One more time. Let's do it again. Let's do it again because we got to go there. You are not a body. Do not identify with your flesh. Now, I'm going to help all us old people. You're not old. If his mercies are new every morning, how old are you? You're only a few hours old. Your spirit man is eternal. You are eternal. That's who, you are eternal. That's who you are. So the problem is, is that we, have, we live in a nation where everybody gets their identity from their flesh. And we have a big problem today with racism because everybody, see, I mean, I said this one Sunday morning and I don't know what y'all think. How do you think that a white blonde-headed woman and a white blonde-headed man made all the Japanese, the Asians, and the Africans, and the Indians. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You, I, you know, everybody that's ever been to heaven, nobody's ever seen Adam and Eve. I think you're going to find, I think you're going to be a little shocked that it's easier to go from dark to light than it is to light to dark. Thank you. I know I'm, I'm bothering all y'all. Especially white folk right now. God's not known by his flesh. He came in the flesh for our sake, but he's not flesh. He is a spirit. And you are a spirit. When you leave your body, you will still be there. Nancy's writing a book. My sister's writing a book right now. On her, on, on, on her death when she died and went to hell. And she told me, she said, I was very much alive as I went down, down, down. You don't stop being alive ever. Everybody that's ever been born is alive somewhere right now. Everybody. They don't all have a body, but they're all alive. Now, you're alive in an earth suit, but it's only an earth suit. And I, for one, am glad it is. You know, every time I go to the dentist, I think, I won't have this problem forever. Because some dentists have done me good, some have not. Never mind. Wish I'd have listened to my mother and brushed my teeth more. But other than that, that's not my sermon. Amen. All right. Who is Jesus? Go to John 4. John 4. Let's flip back here to John 4. And let's just start looking. When someone asked him who he is, what kind of answer did they give him? Now, I don't think he ever said, I'm Jewish. Did he? John 4, 24. Let's just read a few of them here. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, Am he? That's who I am. Now, he told her who he is. That's who he was, it's who he is, and it's who he always will be. Okay. So, so he gives her a clue as to who he is. Go to John 6, 48. Not everyone has seen the Father except him who is from God has seen the Father. Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me who has everlasting life, I am the bread of life. Notice the word 
I am. He's telling us who he is. Now, we're going we're gonna to notice that Jesus constantly said who I am and why I'm here and where I'm going. He constantly referred to who he is. The church rarely talks about who they are. We rarely, and when we do, people look at us like we're crazy. Had a lady that I cast a demon out of um, in an apartment complex, and she knocked on my door one night, and she was just foaming at the mouth. And, and I, I reached up to pray for her, and the demon in her said, don't touch us, we will kill you. And I grabbed her by the head, and I said, I don't die. How many of you would ever think, I don't die? See, I'm a spirit. I don't die. I'm not talking to her. I'm not a flesh. I'm a spirit. I don't die. You've got to learn to talk spirit talk. You've got to learn to talk son of God talk. You've got to know who you are and talk about who you are. When someone asks you, who are you? You need to tell them, well, I'm God's son. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. I am, that's who I am. I had a man one time, I was a businessman, I was having dinner with him, and uh, he looked at me and he said, who are you? I said, well, I'll give it to you in one real quick synopsis. God is my dad. He was wanting to know, why do you act like you act? You don't act like any preacher I've ever met. I said, that's because I know who I am. Amen. Boy, that's real good. Y'all look at Oh, man. He's lost his mind. John 8. Turn the page. John 8. 56. Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Are you serious? When did Abraham ever see Jesus? Do you know? Do you remember when Abraham said to God, I know that you said I'm going to have a child, but how do I know that? What guarantee are you going to give me that you are keeping your word? And he said, you go get two turtle doves, and you and I are going to cut a covenant. He didn't say you're going to cut a covenant. He said you and I are going to cut a covenant. So whenever Abraham went into a deep sleep, what was God showing him? Calvary. In other words, Abraham's faith was not in that he'd have a boy. His faith was in the blood of Jesus. He saw God take our place at Calvary and shed his own blood and he saw the God side of the covenant that he just cut with God and he put his faith in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Not that he'd have a son, but that his son would produce the Messiah that would die on the cross and God cut a covenant with Abraham and that is a guarantee that cannot be broken. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's covenant talk. People will. God won't. Covenant cannot be broken except that the person who break it die. These guys right here are from Africa. I was in Africa a few years ago, over 10 years ago, and I was talking to a man about blood covenant. He said, never go to jungle with blood covenant brother. Because if a lion gets after us, we have to stay and help him. But if it's not blood brother, we can run. I went, they took that real serious in Africa. Nobody in Africa to this day has ever broken a blood covenant, to their knowledge. Well, I wish America had never broken a blood covenant. We wouldn't have the messes that we have. Let me finish this. Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? 
and Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, what? I am. I am. Boy, he made that real plain, didn't he? Before Abraham ever was born, I am. I mean, buddy, if you missed that one, you just flat missed it. He told them who he was. Well, I want you to see that Jesus is not identifying with his flesh. He didn't say, well, I'm a 35, I'm a 30-year-old young man with a bunch of disciples running around making bread and cookies and walking around on the water. Never one time told you of his accomplishments. It would do good if we quit telling people all of our accomplishments. And maybe give God a little bit of the glory. All right, go to 15.1. Let's go look at one more. We'll just look at one more here. No, we're going to look at two more. So we see that Jesus is constantly telling us who he is. 15.1, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. You be, if you get pruned, you'll know it. That it will bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branch. And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit without me. You can't do anything. So who did he say? He said, I'm the vine. He said, I'm a door. He's constantly telling us who he is and his purpose and why he's here. Most Christians don't answer that way. I'm trying to think of a story right now so I don't mess it up. I had a, a, a seven-day Adventist, and we got Kathy here. She used to be a seven-day Adventist. And he approached me at, at lunch and he, because, I, I, because I eat better than most other people. I have fish and I have greens and vegetables and, and I stay away from sugar. And he said, you make a good seven-day Adventist. I said, no, I would not. And I thought that would end it. I thought that's, that's enough. And then he pushed. He goes, oh, no, 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 you would make a great seven-day Adventist. I said, no, I would not make a very good seven-day Adventist at all. And he'd go, oh, no, no, you'd make a great seven-day Adventist. And, and I said, no. And he said, why wouldn't you? I, see, when you ask me a question, you're, you're going to get an answer, and you may not like the answer I give you. I said, well... You believe that you have to keep the Sabbath in order to be righteous. Do you understand that I am the Sabbath? <laughs> yeah, that didn't go over real well at all because not only the seven-day Adventists started calling me names, but every preacher at the table started calling me names. Well, first I told him, I says, Jesus is the Sabbath. That didn't work too good. And then I said, every day is the Sabbath to me because I am the temple of God. And then when I told them I'm the Sabbath, they all lost it. But let me ask you a question. If God lives in you, how do you go to church? You are the church. Now you fellowship, and he told you, don't forsake fellowshipping. But he didn't tell you to forsake church because you are the church everywhere. God moved out of the temple and into us. And if the seven-day Adventists are going to be righteous, literally they're going to have to go to Jerusalem because they're already in rebellion here. Never mind. Am I right? I mean, that just, I'm putting her on the spot right now. Now, because I told them who I am, but see, nobody at the table had any idea what I just said. I had a Bible teacher at Buddy Harrison's church and he taught a lot of who you are in Christ. His name was Bob Daniels. Matter of fact, Bob Daniels left Buddy's church and went down and started a church. And um, uh, Cindy Duval went there. Uh, Mark Hankins went some when he was in town. And all these people who believe in in him realities, they went to Bob's church. But Bob said something one day, very true. He said, it doesn't matter 
what you learn in the Bible, you will never live victoriously until you are founded on who you are. It needs to become a foundation of what you learn in the church. So without knowing what I'm teaching you right now, we're going to go over that in just a minute. So, so Jesus said, he talked about who he is. So Matthew 16, and, and then we'll jump um, over to who you are. Matthew 16. Now look at this question that Jesus asked his disciples. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Lisa, how far was Caesarea from, um, from where Nazareth? How far was the walk? About eight hours. I want you to think about this. Jesus walked eight hours north just to ask a question. How many? Two days, two days walk. From his hometown. It was north of Israel and north of the, of where, um, of the Golan. It was, it was way up there, almost to Decapolis. Um, but anyway, I said all that because, because this, apparently this was a big deal for Jesus. And, and so they came to, this, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do men say I the Son of Man am. Who do people say I am? Now think about this for a minute. That is a very big question because not until you know who He is will you ever know who you are. Who is He? Is He, uh, was he a prophet? The Muslims call Him a prophet. Is he just a Jew? Or is he God in the flesh? Who is he? That's a huge question. Because Jesus is walking around in a body. The Bible says in Isaiah he had no form or comeliness that we would desire him. He had nothing exterior to give you any indication that he was the son of God. Had no glow. He wasn't better looking than all the other boys in Israel. He was just a Jewish guy. That's all. Normal looking person. We place a lot of value in America on flesh. A lot on flesh. A lot of people place way too much on flesh. If you're young, this too will end. You can tuck it all you want to and you can suck it and pluck it. But I'm going to tell you, it's just getting older. Never mind. I didn't think. If the kids were in here right now, they'd be looking around. See, kids really think they'll be kids forever. They really has never dawned on them that there's a thing called time. All right, I'm just going to move on. That just didn't go over okay. Who do you say I am? That's a big question. Simon answered, oh, no, 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 no. Who do the son? Verse 14. Some say you're John the Baptist. Wrong. Some say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say I am? Now, let me ask something to you. When you answer that question, your life changes. Is he God? Does he have the right to rule? Does he have the right to rule you? Yeah, he does. One day I want to get in here and talk about marriage. We, I mean, we really do need to get into submission, respect. God owns you. You don't have a life. That may shock you. you well, you, he gave you his life, right. and that is your life, right. and he is your husband, yeah. and he has a right in where you go and what you do and how you do it and who you know and who you don't know and where you work. He has a right to all of that. Yeah. But the reason we don't understand that 
is because Americans don't even understand marriage. Wow. You know, the book of Ephesians, we read that at all the weddings. And it tells you that that wasn't written so you could have a marriage sermon. But yet, if you want to understand Jesus, look at a marriage. That's exactly why that was written, so you would understand that the, the, the life of the wife is her husband. He is her head. Let me tell you another one, just kind of throw this out. There are two lights in the heavens. One is the sun and one is the moon, but the moon only is bright to the degree it's looking at the sun. You and I are the second, we're the moon, he's the sun. You have no glory outside of him. You don't even have a life outside of him. That's why Paul said, when I glory, I will only glory in the Lord. Never glory in you. There is nothing to brag about. I mean, the minute you quit, start telling everybody how great you are, someone sees you do something stupid, and they go, I knew he wasn't all that. Well, you never should have begun. When you want to give the glory, give it to God. Someone said, how was your week? Glory to God, it was great. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. God is good. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I got a raise this week. Glory to God, Jesus is good. Not, I'm awesome. To the degree you take the credit... You'll also take the blame and you'll live in guilt and shame. Well, y'all need to hear that again. Don't ever take the credit for what God does. Give him the glory. Say, man, I've had a good life. God is good. I got to tell a story right now. I'm just, I'm just going to stop and do it. Keith Moore one time said, Lord, you know, the Bible says without you I can do nothing. How much of what I do is me and how much is you? Now, he, he really wanted to know. Did y'all ever hear me tell the story? They'll pray it. So he walks into the healing school one day and he, like a week after he'd prayed that prayer, and he goes up to the piano and starts trying to play. And he said he couldn't remember a key. He couldn't remember anything. He'd go, he said it got very uncomfortable. He thought, I thought, man, something's wrong with me. So he got up on the piano, and he turned to someone and said, just play, play a song. They played a song. And then he walked over to his Bible and he opened it up and said, open up to his notes. And, and he couldn't remember anything he'd studied. The scripture didn't mean anything. He had no insight to it. And he finally, after about five minutes of standing there, he said, let's pray. And he left the room. He was completely ignorant. And his wife said he stayed that way for a week. And he said, he said, it scared me. It really scared me. When my mind came back, I have never taken credit for anything. I've had times when I've been up here preaching and I walked out and someone said, Pastor, that was good. And I went, give him glory. Because I said things today I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I will tell you this, the day that God called me to preach, the Bible blew open like, a, like a, someone hit it with a hand grenade. I can just read scriptures and it just comes alive to me. And I've had times when I'm in there in prayer and I go and you better give me something. Sunday's coming. And I've had days when I've just read and read and read, and I mean the book would be dead. 
You say, well, you studied. It don't mean squat. And all of a sudden, I'm in there just praying and worshiping God and giving him glory on my face. And he goes, preach this. And I go, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So much for bragging on ourselves, isn't it? Who do men say I am? He said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah. And he said, who do you say I am? And Simon said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. If God didn't tell you who Jesus was, you wouldn't know. Now, before we get into who you are, I'm going to make a statement to you. When someone says to me, I don't understand, dot, 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 can I tell you why you don't understand it? You don't want to. God's not dropping it on your head. He said, seek, and you will find it. So let's talk about denominational Christians who don't speak in tongues. Why do they not know? They don't want to know. They've never asked God about it at all. There's a lot of stuff I don't know. But I'm asking every time I see something I don't know, I ask him, show me that. Show me that. Because what I don't know, I don't know. But when I realize I don't know, I'm not running around making excuses. I just go, I don't know, but I'll go find out. And I start praying about it. And every time I've ever sought him on it, he shows me. It's called being hungry. People not hungry, you can't, you can't live on information. You can only live on inspiration. You can't, the sermon that I'm preaching Right now, if, if, you're, if, I'm not, if I'm just your Bible teacher, you really aren't going anywhere. Because you're not seeking God. You're just, you're, just, you're just logging time. Okay, now go to Galatians chapter 2. How am I doing for time? I got enough time. Galatians chapter 2. Let's talk about who you are now. This statement here by the Apostle Paul Absolutely a fantastic scripture. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Really? And Paul, when were you nailed to a cross? He's given you who he is. And yet he's not talking about his body. Let's think. Is he talking about I was the other guy on the cross? No, he's not. He's identifying with Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, I went to the cross. When he rose from the dead, I rose from the dead. In other words, he's saying Jesus became my substitute, and him and I are one person. The average Christian says I'm the temple of God, but they don't believe it. That's why they're always asking someone else to pray for them, because God is in heaven, not in them. They don't have a realization of who they are, Let's finish reading this. Come on, say amen if you want to. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who am living. But Christ lives in me, and the life that I am now living in the flesh, I'm living in a flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not set aside the grace of God. If righteousness came to the law, Christ died in vain. In other words, when Jesus died, I died. When he rose, I arose. And as he is in the world, so am I. He does not see any differentiation between him and Christ. 
We, the reason we don't, we feel it's blasphemous to say I'm Christ. But what is, the, what is your right hand's name? Mine is Daryl. This hand's name's Daryl. My nose is named Daryl. My toes are named Daryl. And you're the body of Christ. Why are you Susie? Do you know what the word Christian is in Christ? You and Jesus have become one person. When he rose from the dead and he breathed in you, your spirit and his spirit are the same spirit. I know you're sitting there looking at me like, no, I'm not. I'm a heathen. No, you're not. You were a heathen, but you're not a heathen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get through this. Listen to these scriptures. I am alive with Christ, Ephesians 2. I am free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8. I am born of God, 1 John 5. I am holy and without blame before him in love, Ephesians 1, 4. I am a child of God. I am the workmanship created in Christ unto good works. I am love. I am a new creation. I am a joint heir. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am a partaker of his divine nature. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a purchased people. I am the righteousness of God. I am the light of the world. I am his elect. I am forgiven. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm called. I'm healed. I'm loved. I'm strong. I'm I'm complete. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm washed in the blood. I am rich, blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am the apple of his eye. I am his beloved. I am a victorious mankind. That's who I am. Say me too. Now, that listen, I'm doing this because I, I need to get this printed off for you and hand it to you one Wednesday night because you need to start seeing who you are. If, are y'all getting that? You cannot live victoriously on this planet seeing yourself any other way than what God said you are. Amen. Now, you know what an x-ray machine, it shows your insides. The Bible is an x-ray that shows you who you are in the spirit, not who you are in the flesh. Now, the, the book of Ephesians tells us who Jesus is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told us who he is in the flesh. But, the, but, but Paul's writings tell us who Jesus is in the spirit. And it tells you who you are. Now, listen, until you find out who you are, you'll live trying to become And I'll tell you what, I had a rough week. I'm just, just looking for the victory. I'm just looking for a breakthrough. Now, I'm going to hair lip everything that, I'm going to hair lip even all the faith preachers right now. I broke through when I got born again. I don't need a breakthrough. I'm through. If I'm complete and I am perfect, what breakthrough do I need to get to? Okay, let's, let's, let's. Since when am I helping him out? Okay, I'm not going there. I'm just. Why do you think the New Testament teaches you to walk in the Spirit? Because God has a preordained plan for your life, and He's got everything you need in the path. Get in the plan. Everything you need is in it. You get out of the plan, there's nothing there. Right. Amen. You're just kind of bumming around in life going, oh, everything ain't working out for me very good. Well, why don't you get in the plan of God? Amen. You know, I found out that God had a job for me in a popka. I didn't like a popka, and I didn't like pastoring. But there was, there was a spout where the money was coming out, and I got under it. Well, thank you all. Appreciate that. 
Elijah needed to go to the brook Cherith, not the Wakiva River. He, he didn't say, I like the Wakiva a whole lot better. I'm going to go down to Wakiva. Why don't you send my food over there? No, the ravens are bringing the steak to the brook Cherith. And if you want steak, you're going to go to the brook Cherith, not to the Wakiva, because you're going to die of starvation at the Wakiva River. Never mind. So why are we here? To bring him glory. Let's go over a few of these. None of these are us becoming. So I'm going to ask you the $100 question about healing. Are you all ready? And I want you to think. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm believing for my salvation? That's not really a big request in, in churches. I'm just believing for my salvation. That you're either saved or you're not, right? Right. right. No, no. Question number two. Trick question, but it's not. Have you ever anybody say, I'm believing for the Holy Ghost? I've heard a few. Yeah. And finally, we just looked at them and said, well, just start speaking in tongues. And, yeah. and they did, and the God was waiting on them to open their mouth. All right. But most people, why are you believing for a healing and for victory. Come on. Come on. That's right. That's That's good. There's no faith in that statement. Faith is always based on the finished work of Jesus. Not in, not in what God's going to do. All preaching except in my church. They're waiting on God. Never mind. In my church, I'm trying to teach you how to cooperate with God. Because he's already finished everything, and he's set down. And he'll never do anything about your problem ever again. But when you learn to walk by faith and not by sight... And when you put the word of who you are in your mouth, you will put the devil on the run. Satan comes along and says, well, you know, you're not going to get the victory. You say, I am the victory. Well, you know, God's not going to heal you. I know, he already did. See, now you're talking to him right. Now you're talking faith talk. Yeah, you may not get that job. I'm blessed. I'm already blessed. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. Job or no job, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. And my God meets all of my needs, and I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out, and I am the redeemed, and I have the wisdom of God, and I have the mind of Christ. I'm not looking for wisdom. I got wisdom inside of me. I'm wall to wall, the very wisdom of Almighty God. Do y'all understand that? I'm not looking for revival. I am a revival. I'm not looking looking for light I am the light I'm not looking for Jesus I'm wall to wall Jesus I'm not looking for another infilling and a run I am the I'm full of God the Holy Ghost just act like he's act like the Bible's true just act like he's living in there just act like it's true that's called faith do you know who you are Jesus never wandered around and went, boys, we're doing the best we can. Last week, we about ran, I mean, we taxed heaven with that last load that we, that bread, but this is a bigger crowd. I mean, we're, you guys, just listen to me. You're going to really need to fast and pray over this one. <laughs> We've got to get a hold of the horns of God. <laughs> My God, look at the size of this crowd. These people out there need healing. Oh, God. Oh. I mean, y'all can't even imagine Jesus acting like that. He was in a storm one time, and they said, we're going to die. And he went, shalom. And the whole sea went flat, and they went, who are you? Do you even know who you are? Do you even know who you are? 
One of the greatest things you'll ever do in your life is to sit down and to use your Bible and to hook your imagination with who God said you are. When was the last time you said, God lives inside me? That's an incredible thing to say. God lives inside of you. You're complete. You're already perfect. You're already as righteous as Jesus. The flesh fights the spirit. And, and so you don't, I don't feel righteous. Don't ask your body, it's a liar. Your body don't know squat. That's why you're going to leave it here. God goes, you're going to have to leave that mess down there. You can come up here, but you've got to leave that thing down there. Let me see. I think I got one more. I got, I got, a, lot, I got a lot more. I'm out of time. I am out of No, I'm not. Let, let me. All of this leads to, well, knowing who you are doesn't mean that you've walked it out. But, but the more you know who you are, the more you will walk it out. You still have a flesh and you still have a mind. And you've got to get your mind renewed to the Word of God. That's a process of time. So I want to make a couple of statements about success for a moment. Because everybody talks about success. I want to be successful. In order to be a success, you've got to find the will of God and walk in it. You've got to find the will of God. Even though those Jesus had to find the will of God and get in the middle of it. He went to Lazarus' tomb. Holy Ghost wouldn't let him go for three days. If he doesn't tell you to go, sit. Stay seated because you're not working apart from God. The next thing is, with God, all things are possible. And where he sent you, he will provide by grace. And fellowshipping with God is the key to success. Now, let me, let, Miles Monroe said this, and Lisa and Justin went to one of his meetings. He said, you were never born to become a success. You were born to make a difference. That is the grassroots of starting point of your vision. Let me read another one. To be a success, just to be a success is not vision, it's selfish ambition. Jesus knew who he was, but he also knew why he was here. And you need to know why you're here. Now, that's, that's another subject. We'll have to get into it later. But you've got to walk with God like Jesus did to know why you're here. Remember, we started off by saying, I want to know who I am and why I'm here. Now, Bruce Lee never found out who he was, and he never found out why he was here, and if he didn't know Jesus when he died, he's not, he never will know. But he's looking in all the wrong places. Don't you go looking in the world for where, who you are. You say, well, they do it. Well, well, they are all going to hell. Do you want to go to hell with they? No. So as a born-again Christian, it's imperative for you to know who you are, but it's also imperative for you to know why you are and what your purpose in life is. Why am I here? And that, that's going to open up another can of worms we won't get into tonight. But let me, let me jump ahead here for a minute. When I got born again, it became very evident to me, not to you. See, you can't, everybody's not called to preach. People in the church, they go, well, I want my kids to be in ministry. Not if they're not called to do it, you don't. Don't call your kids into ministry. They might be a businessman, but they still need to know what God's given them to do and why. Are you all out there? So, so it's very important for us to know who we are, but when it comes to why we're here, you say, well, I'm a doctor. But why are you a doctor? I'm a school teacher. I believe there are people in government and God's anointed them to be in government. I believe they're there because God put them there. And I think the rest of them need to just get out of the way because the devil put them in there. I think some, I had a doctor one time said, you're 50 years old. We need to do an operation on you. 
I said, why? He says, because the X number of men over your age have this issue. I said, you ain't putting a knife on me. Well, the next week I found out he went out of business because, you know, he went bankrupt. I don't want some bankrupt doctor putting a knife on me because he wants to make money. I'm not in there for him to butcher so he can make a dollar. He ain't no more called to be a doctor, and I'm an astronaut. Boy, never mind. Wouldn't you like to see their test scores on the wall instead of the word doctor? F, D, C minus, 1B, and all of it. Never mind. So we'll get into that a little later. But, but finding out who you are is, is paramount. And you have people all the time talking about it. But, but, but often I, I will go back and read who I am. I have a Bible coming right now called a Weymouth. It's, I, I got tired of writing confessions down. Have you all ever written them down and you never read them? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do. I do it all the time. Write it down. I never read it. But I read it out of my Bible. I don't know why I like reading it out of my Bible, but, but I have a hard time finding them in my New King James. So I have a Weymouth, and all of my who I am in Christ are marked in it. So I don't have to go looking for confessions. I just start looking for marks. And if it's marked, that's me. I got one more scripture. Can y'all handle this? One more, just... I've closed my Bible, but I, I know that means that y'all think I'm going home, but it does not. Let me, let me show you one more. I think it's 2 Corinthians. Four. No, three. Just read this one more thing. I'm going to close with this. We all, verse 18, with an unveiled face... Behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. How do you change into who you are inside to the outside? By looking in the mirror. When I said to you all ago, you're complete. I mean, I'm going to throw some of you under the bus right now. How many of you know where that is? Take a guess. All right, it's in Colossians. Give me a chapter. That's good, two. Verse 10. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. Oh, that's not really. Ephesians 1, verse 3. We are blessed. Do you understand? At some point, I need you to mark your Bible and start meditating on these scriptures, and I, I wrote a whole pile of them down here, and I'm probably going to um, have Gene type them up and give them to you, but you need to transfer them over to your Bible, mark them in a certain color, and start looking at them and confessing who you are, because who you are will never be real to you. You will never know who you are without a mirror. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Nothing on the planet will tell you what that book says other than that book. Your mama won't tell you. Your professor at the university won't tell you. And half the pastors in the United States, that's not true. 95% of the pastors in the United States. They don't know. Probably one of the most powerful things you'll ever learn is who you are. Jesus knew who he was. It'll cause a little bit of trouble, especially if you're talking to seven-day Adventists. Y'all went quiet on me. I think you were ready to go home. Say amen. amen. Say I am, I am. Who, he I am. who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. Let's do some of them. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. By the blood. I am a partaker of his divine nature. I am an ambassador 
I am a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a purchased people. I am the righteousness of God. I am the light of the world. I am his elect. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am called. I am loved. I am accepted. I am complete. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Next week, we're going to get, I'm going to give them out to you. Now, doesn't that just feel good? I got to tell you one more story. I got one more minute. When the Lord first showed me this before I went to Ramah, and I started reading my Bible like that, I felt guilty. I don't you dare. You know, you know good and well, you don't have any right to be saying that because you are a mess. And I felt my, my soul and my flesh fought me to say what God said I was. But I never became what he says I was until I started saying what he says I was. Okay, I'm going to pray and we're done. Father God, thank you for tonight. I thank you for the chance to share the word of God with all of the people here. And I pray we go home with a recognition of who we are and how important that is to our life. And I pray that they get a revelation of what you did for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.